Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to Other You. I am Dee. Today, I have an amazing guest, a prominent voiceover artist with credits such as Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, 2019's Charlie's Angels, and work on The Ellen Show, Jimmy Kimmel Live, as well as being an alum of NYU and the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute. Welcome to the show, Donna Folks. So glad to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to. Happy to. Um, so as the intro um, suggested, uh, what uh-huh. we will do today is we will discuss a decision made in Donna's life where long-lasting impacts arose, not necessarily in the mm-hmm. moments, but could have arisen later. And then we mm-hmm. will explore what it will be, what it would have been like for her or other Donna had she <laughs> chosen something else. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm so excited to have you. I can't even tell you. I'm so excited. Um, thanks for asking me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's nice to be asked to oh, do something right on <laughs> during Corona time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a weird time that we're living in, and yeah. I mean it's it's interesting though as a voiceover artist, uh, your the most of the, most of the work you do I imagine is at your home studio, regardless of what's happening in the world. And, um, not real. Well, sort of. I mean, okay. um, the industry has changed so much mm-hmm. over the past you know two year t- two decades and um, um, and also the past year, but. For for a long time, um, you would go, I mean, I went to recording studios and recorded in person, Mm -hmm. either, you know, obviously with an engineer, but maybe with a client who might be there. Or even if the client, like I'm in LA and if I have clients in Chicago or New York, I would still go to a studio most often Mm -hmm. and record there and they would just, you know, connect um, from from a distance. But um, now... And then there are other gigs where they do want you to be at home because mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. It's you know you're recording a lot and they don't want you. They just need it when they need it. Right. Um, but yeah. But now everything's at home, so it's uh, it's very different. Yeah. I just did um, a show that's on HBO Max called Doom Patrol. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, I just did a character on that. And awesome. um, it, part of the fun of doing animation is that you go in to the studio and mm-hmm. you get to you see what's happening on screen and it really mm-hmm. informs what you're going to do and how you're going to act and move or the sounds you're going to make mm-hmm. and um so i just did an audition and i did it you know two very different ways and i just added a bunch of like noises and effort sounds and and they said hey you booked it um but they're just going to use your audition And so I did like, and, but Uh even, but part of it I think is Corona times. Right. So I would have maybe gone to the studio, but it was like, well, it's good. It matches what we need. And so you don't have to do it again. And my agent was so, she was like, isn't that great? And I said, no, it's, well, I mean, yeah, it's great, but it's not fun. Like it's the fun part is doing the session and Mm -hmm. doing the work with people and collaborating. So, um, yeah, like everybody else, I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of, in my own world. Yeah. It's yeah. so for me, when I first, when I had my first voiceover audition, I went to the studio to, to audition. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, at Bill Curtis's 
studio. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to say I did like two or three in-studio auditions. And then from then until now, I haven't submitted anything in person since. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. that's that's been interesting. So in, in my head, um, and anytime I book something and I go to the studio to record it, I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this is what this is like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in in, um, my agents in Chicago, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it just got to the point where we were auditioning from home. And um, if you Mm -hmm. wanted to go into this into their office, you could and you could audition in person. Um, But in L.A., um, my agents offer this great service where you can you know, make an appointment to go into audition for something and then work with a director um, who is going to give you direction and and it's it's really really helpful I'm um sure. and so now like today i have so now we're doing that over the phone so okay. i he'll call me at two o'clock today and listen to my audition and give me direction oh wow but yeah go, going in and i mean it's just also like it's such a it's such a a, a lonely it can be such a you know a lonely job because mm-hmm. often you're just by yourself yeah. and you don't get any of the 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 office vibe. Like you don't get to talk to someone at the water cooler or go have lunch with somebody unless you're going into the studio and that's really social. Or if you're going to your agent's office to audition and you're meeting other actors. And so, um, just like everybody else, it, it has changed, I Mm -hmm. think a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I I still, I still love, I I love voice work. I always have. I'd like, I want to say one of the few things I wanted to do as a kid besides play baseball was voice cartoons. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love it, and I'm I'm so That's happy excellent. that you have found much success in that world. Well, thanks. I mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> don't say success. Sorry, I, t- I take that. Back. <laughs> no. You have booked some jobs. Don't compliment that? me. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. So, getting down to it, uh, mm-hmm. do you have a decision that you would like to talk about, or do you want to? You want to go over a couple and pick from there? Um, it's up to you. I, you know, I was I was telling you before we started, like mm-hmm. I was coming up with things big or big and little things mm-hmm. that were out of my control. They weren't really decisions, but mm-hmm. those are the things that kind of come back to me. Like I wonder, you know, I, like I was very unpopular, very awkward, and very nerdy. And for some reason, I I tried out for the pom-pom squad, and <laughs> but I didn't make it. So it's right. not like, you know, it's not like a big decision. What would have happened if yeah. I had decided not to accept right, yeah. <laughs> my palms? <laughs> like that wasn't, that wasn't out there for me. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, there are certain things that come back to me, like, what if I'd done that differently? Mm-hmm. Um, but decision-wise... Yeah, I mean, I feel like I ha- like I've just been kind of rolling through life and just taking things as they come. Mm. Um, but the thing that kept coming back to me was because you said I I went to NYU, which is true, but I only stayed there for two years. Ah, okay. So I left after my second year. Okay. And planning to go back, but never did. Um, uh-huh. And so let's, my let's, um, let's do that. My. Yeah, that was my my big thing was like, well, what if I'd stayed there? What would have yeah, happened? That's that's great. That's yeah. great because you you left NYU to go back to Ch- Chicagoland area, mm-hmm. Illinois, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Right. Okay, so let's Right. And then I ended up I was like, I'm just going to take some time. Well, part of it was that 
you know, and I wasn't, I, I got this, I got to this point where I was, I didn't know what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I said to my parents, I think I might take some film courses. Maybe I'm a filmmaker. And they were like, all right, you know, <laughs> no, that's, you're not doing that. And so then when I got, I came home and I moved in with my, a friend of mine mm-hmm. um, who was going to Columbia College and then started taking film courses and then ended up back in the theater department there. Gotcha. Um, and, oh my God. And then I was, I was such a jerk because I'd been at NYU. And so I was, so sure that I was better than everybody else and like, well, this isn't how we do it at NYU. Like, right. it just seems like too casual to me and it wasn't mm-hmm. strict and everybody yeah. was allowed to do whatever they wanted. I was mm-hmm. like, no, no, you can't play a character that's more than five years older than you are or whatever. Like, I had all these ideas mm-hmm. and um, and I was always like, like, we would go see a play as a class and then I would we'd come back and I'd have all these criticisms for it. And so finally, um, mm-hmm. the chairman of the department called me into his office and he was like, I'm about to post the cast list for Three Sisters and your name's on it, but I'm not going to, you have to promise you're going to stop being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, otherwise you can't be in it. I was like, oh, all right, Sheldon. So then Uh, I, I I mean, I think I was still an asshole, but I hit it better or something. I don't know. But I was like going to, and like my whole, you know, I grew up in Crystal Lake and it was, mm-hmm. um, I hated it there so much. Mm. And I didn't like, like, I just wanted to be in a city and I wanted to be away. Although I didn't know anything about a city. Like right. we never really went to Chicago. It was a really far drive. And my yeah. dad worked and took, you know, like we never went there. Mm-hmm. And so I lived this suburban life. Right. But I, I'd seen so many Woody Allen movies that I felt like. I knew New York. And so it was my, my goal was to just move to New York City. And, and that was where I wanted to go. And the counselor in high school made me apply to a bunch of schools. But once I got into NYU, that's, you know, that was, that was all I wanted. That was it for you? Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. So uh, as a kid, I remember summer times, uh, if we were going to have a picnic in a park, uh, mm-hmm. it was at Crystal Lake. Oh really? Yeah, I don't know why. Why wow. Crystal Lake? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it was. I remember it being an uncomfortably long drive, especially because yeah. I grew up in Humble yeah. Park, and there's a oh, lot yeah. of grass in Humble Park where we could just go right. and eat hot and dogs. A, a big lake right next to you. <laughs> why? Why do? Why are we going to Crystal? A lake? great lake. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, it's it's interesting though because my dad and my mom both grew up on the south side, like in. Berwyn and Cicero. Okay. And when they were kids, they went to vacation in Crystal Lake. Like they, so it might've, it must've been a thing. Yeah. I, I like, it I like to thing. think that it, there, there, there was a destination, like a specific thing that people went there for and then it stopped being there, but yeah. people were just like, well, this is what we do. So we're just going to right. keep going to Crystal Lake. Right. I mean, it's, it was, a, it's a pretty lake and, a, and it has a great, you know, beach and a place to swim and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, I guess that's yeah, it. I, but right. it, yeah, it was so far away. It was so far away from anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't really even see any theater. Like, I don't even know how I got interested in theater because I never saw any. Huh. So it was specifically theater that you went to MIU mm-hmm. for then. Hmm. Ah. Uh-huh. So y- yeah. So yeah. I were- mean, this whole voice. I mean, I felt. I mean, voiceover is a mystery. I wasn't. It's another thing I wasn't planning for. Well, I mean, I don't know. It just happened. You got, you got smoke in them pipes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I'm sure it just the, the, the universe pushed you into it to make uh, sure that we could all, you know, get yeah, glimpses right. of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I could sell everybody um, tampons and toilet paper. Yeah. yeah. You, were, you were you were the voice of like J.C. Penny, one of J.C. Penny's campaigns, weren't you? Yeah, I did. I was I did J.C. Penny for like 10 years. Yeah. I was the I was the voice of that was just selling everything <laughs> for so many years, um, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great, and I, I really like it was it, it, it kind it was like having voiceover lessons that I was getting paid for because right. I didn't I, I'd only been in the business for a while and I got that campaign and then I was so bu- like you're just so busy you have to do it yeah um, yeah. You have to learn how to do it. Right. So that's what happened. That's yeah. Weird. Yeah. Okay. So yep. let's focus then on um, you would have been at the end of sophomore year. Yes. At NYU. Mm-hmm. That's when you left. Okay. Yep. Yep. So end of sophomore year. When was that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess it was 1987. Okay. You weren't born. I was. Oh, I, I was. don't believe it. Oh, yeah. I was born in uh, 1980. <clears throat> Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I always think everybody's just a baby. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah, like every everyone I meet is just young enough to be my kid. Yeah. So that's that is how I feel. And I remember. So I attended <laughs> college. I started college at twenty two, and mm-hmm. I just felt like everyone out there was an idiot, even though there were uh-huh. lots of people there older than me. I just had this idea yeah. that everyone is only eighteen. Oh, why am I dealing with these children? <laughs> But I mean, yeah. like like a narcissist would, right? Because I'm only 22. I'm I'm also, yeah. a, you know, a young, inexperienced dum dum. Right, but right, right. I just decided that's how it was. But where did where did you go to college? So did I you actually, stay? I actually went to a Bible college in Texas. So my wow. yeah, my, so my the years between like 1999 and 2006, I was bouncing around all over the place. For no other reason mm-hmm. than I just wanted to explore, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, what's it like over here? So I took jobs yeah. at summer camps, you know, just to to be in Michigan, you know, for a month, to be in North Carolina for a month. Uh-huh. Uh, I was in I went to school in Texas. I lived in Colorado. I was all over That's the place. Great. Yeah. I ended wow. up spending six weeks in Brazil working at an orphanage. Um, wow. Yeah. So I was I was just like I need to explore. But I had uh, Chicago was my home base. So I kept coming back to Chicago. And there was a point where I was working at the stage theater, this children's theater uh, in mm-hmm. the box office. And someone I knew was going to be put as uh, she she had applied for a position that would have made her my boss. And I was like, mm-hmm. nah, I'm out. I, I'm not interested in, you know, experiencing life with that dynamic. So I told my mm-hmm. parents, I'm like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to quit. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'm going to disappear again. And my mom was like, well, mm. there's a school in Texas we met some people that were lovely when we were on vacation in Hawaii and their son went there. I don't know anything about the school, but if you go up, I'll, I'll pay for your first year. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and so I went and in wow. my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to hunker down and I'm going to focus on writing. And I say mm-hmm. that because when I graduated high school, I, uh, it was my intent to go to, uh, Berkeley and do, uh, mm-hmm the English program there and to study uh-huh. to become a writer. That's what I wanted. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But my family was like in that middle ground where we're not poor enough to get uh, enough, mm-hmm. you know, financial aid to pay for school. And I was so bored in high school. I didn't do, uh, I didn't have the <laughs> accolades to 
uh, merit scholarships. Even mm-hmm. though all my mm-hmm. testing was off the charts, I just, I never went, yeah. I didn't go to class. I didn't do homework, you know? So I am, I'm well aware that I made choices that negatively yeah, impacted. Yeah, you sound like my kids. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So um, like to the point where um, my, my SATs, I was like in the top half percent of people mm-hmm. for the year that I took it. Uh, and that's the only reason that, that Berkeley was like, hey, okay. What, mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't know what's going on here, but there's some aptitude that we can play around with. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I didn't. I just didn't want to pay twenty grand a semester. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I left it. So when she said, "Hey, there's a school in Texas," and I was like, "All right, I'll just I'll go. I'm sure it's going to be a terrible program, whatever. But I'm going to go and I'm going to write, and mm-hmm. that's it." Uh, it turns out it was a Bible college, and I was like, "But this is not what I thought it was." <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up learning a lot about myself. I stuck it out, and I went and I went through the whole program. Uh, Just because I'm like, you know what? I'm here. Let's finish it. So, yeah. So, but I, I, I I am, I, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength there. Uh, So you're, we'll, we'll just say late Mm eighties, you leave NYU to go to, to come back to Illinois Mm -hmm. and you attend Columbia. Right. Um, So tell me about the transition there. um, Specifically in, in the, the way that the, that time period was shaping you. Um, tell me about how you, you know. Okay. Well, so um, once I got to New York, I, I, I mean, I loved it there. I thought it was amazing. I, I, I'd never been in a city before. And it was also like, it was the, it was the tail end, like it was, you know, mid eighties. So it was still a little filthy and still a little out of control. And, um, um, but it was really wild and fun and, um, you know, there's no real campus. It's just, you're in the city. So I had a dorm, my freshman year, I had a dorm that was on 10th street and Broadway. And, you know, so th- at night we would just go way down into the East village and go to these weird clubs and, you know, and, and they don't, no one cards you there or at, at the time, like you could just, you know, you're a little kid, you could just walk in wherever you wanted. And like, I can't believe my, my parents let me do this. But mm. um, so I got there and I loved it. And then I stayed for the summer. It didn't, it seemed wrong to go back home. So I just, um, I got a dorm for the summer and I just, I found a job and I just worked in the city and in restaurants. Um, and so then I did that, like, so I was at school, I was taking theater classes and then, and then whatever academics that they forced you to take. And then I was, um, working in stores and waiting tables and cooking and like doing all this other work. And I kind of gauged it. Like when I first started waiting tables, everyone, customers would say, you know, oh, you're not from New York. Are you? You're from the Midwest, right? Like the, immediately. And then by the end of that second year, no one was saying that to me anymore. And I was just like, it was so hard. Um, It was so hard. And uh, you would, you know, I I would get the worst station. So I'd have tables outside. And if you Mm -hmm. didn't get out in time, any money that was left on the table was immediately taken by people walking by on the streets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it just, it was, it was just hard work. And, um, And then same with the theater department. Like, it's New York. It's just harsh. You know, they're all into, like, breaking you down and making you cry and telling you (laughs) you're bad and you don't know anything. And, like, Mm -hmm. it was, it was, uh, it was, 
I was in the Lee Strasberg school. And so that was all about like, you know, going deep into your memories and your soul to find your sense memory work and stuff and your emotional memory work. But then they also tell you you're too young to have anything mm. valid. So it was really hard. Like you'd have to, you'd come in for an assignment. I remember going in one day and the teacher was like, okay, do your scene. And I said, you know, I can't because I had a fight with my my personal memory person yesterday, like, you know, it, it just didn't work. I, yeah. it, I didn't, I couldn't quite grasp what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. And there were like, everybody there was, all the teachers were mean and jaded. And, yeah. um, and so then I got cast in this uh, play in the experimental theater department. And that was super exciting. And, um, and so the whole semester, we were just, we were just off school and it was like we were just in an off-Broadway show. And Ooh. so we were in this play that Richard Foreman um, directed um, and wrote for the Ontological Hysteric Theater Company. And so we were in—we were just like a, a chorus of actors in this bizarre— um, in this bizarre play mm -hmm. called Film is Evil, Radio is Good. And um, I was in it with all these really great other actors from different departments and stuff. And then— because we weren't in our normal school, they sup. This is, this is boring, but because no. we weren't in our normal school, they supplemented our classes with. Um, they just made up theater classes for us to okay. do during the day when we weren't rehearsing, and our teacher, like Andre Gregory, was one of my teachers, and Joseph Chaikin was one of my teachers, mm -hmm. and like it was just it was mind blowing, and um, it was so fun, and then we ran the show. Um, off-Broadway. And I mean, it was also like, then you got a glimpse into, you know, we had these weird, we were in the show with these really temperamental, strange actors who we couldn't look at them. And, um, you know, when, when we weren't performing and stuff. I, I love those. Oh, it was so intense. And so then when that ended, it was my second summer in New York, I stayed. And that's when it was just like, I didn't know, like everything was turned upside down. Like I didn't know mm -hmm. what I thought I knew okay. and I was waiting tables and it was so hard in the village. I hated it. And I was in the alley with one of the cooks a a after a shift and I said, I hate it here. And he was like, why don't you, why don't you just leave? And it hadn't occurred to me that that was an option. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of it, it's like this, there's this idea that if you go to New York, you know, if you if you leave, you're giving up, yeah. you're not successful or whatever it is, or you're not good enough. And yeah. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll leave. And uh, I called my mom and I said, I think I'm really unhappy. Hmm. And she was like, all right, I'll come get you. And she just got in the car with my sister and they what? just drove okay. <laughs> across the country. And I packed up my stuff. Wow. And I left. And then I was like, well, I'll just take a semester off and I'll just right. kind of regroup and decide what I want to do. And and then I just sort of fell into school at Columbia. Hmm. And then being at Columbia was incredible because um, there were no rules. Hmm. It was like, yeah, you want to do a play? Well, then just find a bunch of people and and we'll give you a room and you can do it. And like there, nobody, all the all the teachers were encouraging, hmm. which is also not great, you know, because you're yeah. in a class with people who don't, who are like, oh, we have to do a scene. Damn, I don't, you know, I don't want yeah. to, you know, so you're, it's the opposite too. Like you're mm -hmm. in, a, in, there's people that are, don't belong there, yeah. but you're still in class with them. But 
it was this whole other like exciting and atmosphere where everybody wanted you to be good and wanted mm-hmm. you to succeed. And the teachers encouraged you to do well. They didn't tell you you were bad and try to make you cry. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it was just a thrilling atmosphere to be in. And I found myself really thriving there. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. So yeah. what you when you came back you didn't go and live with your parents when you came back to the Illinois oh, yeah area. no you... so I didn't no I didn't go live with my parents and mm-hmm. I went my because my best friend from high school was going to Columbia and she was going to get an apartment and so she was like oh you can get in our lease you know and gotcha. maybe you'll stay for the year and if not you can sublet or whatever but so I moved in with her and then I you know had really, I guess I had my first apartment because up till then I was just living in dorms and stuff. Gotcha. So then I, we moved in um, uh, to like Wrigleyville and, you know, started my Chicago life. Back when Wrigleyville was, you know, the the height of luxury. <laughs> yeah, it really was, man. <laughs> it was great. It yeah. was so great. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. We had like this, you know, big three bedroom apartment. It was like eight hundred dollars a month or oh, something, and it was, <laughs> it was it was we were on Halstead in Newport. We're in this yeah. great neighborhood, oh. and it was so fun. Yeah. It was so fun. And but I mean, I look back. I mean, I still complained about it. You know, still like this new. This isn't New York. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, but then finally, I, I gave in. Uh, okay. <laughs> so she was, she was in classes. You joined her lease. You were living with her. Mm-hmm. And did did she convince you to join? Or was she speaking so enthusiastically about her experience at Columbia that you were motivated to investigate and then ultimately ended up attending? Or how did you? Well, no. Like, so I, I got a job in the neighborhood and I was mm-hmm. hanging out. And I had nothing to do. And Columbia starts kind of late, as I remember. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to you're at Columbia. It's easy to get into. And so I was like, great, I'll just go, I'll take some film classes. And so I just started taking some film classes and some screenwriting classes. And then eventually I was just, I was so, I just kept thinking about the theater department. And then I went Mm -hmm. in and just did like a random, uh, like a general audition for all the directing students. Mm -hmm. And the person who ended up being one of my good friends and mentors, um, David Cromer cast me in a play that he was directing. And then from there, I just came back to the theater department and just started doing doing plays again. Gotcha. Okay. So you just, you just went and straight up joined this, just like signed up for classes at Columbia. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. As I mean, I never got a diploma. I didn't like get a diploma. I don't, I think I graduated, but it was all so <laughs> just like loose and yeah. I don't know. Um, I knew people in the theater department who were there who weren't even enrolled. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, it was oh, wow. just, it was awesome. It was great. Tricks. Sheldon was the best. And he, the the chairman of the theater department just sort of would allow people in who he thought were good and mm. just took care of everybody, really nurturing and, and also and also crazy. But That's amazing. May he rest it. in peace. He was the best. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your uh, let's let's get into your family a little bit. You had you've mentioned one sister. Mm-hmm. Is it just mm-hmm. you two or, or are there other siblings? Yeah, there. Well, there was and. It's and maybe that's why I'm drawn to this because this I guess this kind of ties in, but 
with my decision making, but my brother, mm-hmm. I had a brother who was uh, a couple of years younger than I am, and he was in a car accident mm-hmm. um, and died right after I moved home, oh. right after I moved back to when I, right after I got that apartment in Chicago. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah. And so once that happened, I feel like that's one of the reasons I never left. Um, because it was really devastating. We had this string of horrible events. Mm. My brother died in October. And then that summer, my grandparents were in a car accident and died. It was just ridiculous. And so the family just kind of crumbled, although we we made it through. But um, it was really hard. And it was really strange because I was living in Chicago and I was away from the family. And I'd been away. I'm like, I wasn't one of those people who, you know, I wasn't calling my my parents on the weekend. I mean, I don't know who those people are, but <laughs> I, I was definitely like, you know, I didn't come home for the summers. I never, once I left the house, I left. Right. And so I was sort of distanced from everybody. Mm. Um, and so that was really, really hard for me. Um, and it was really heartbreaking and... Um, because that was another one of the things when you asked, and again, this wasn't a decision, but it was one of those questions like, what if? Because I um, I was supposed to hang out with my brother and his girlfriend. They were going to come downtown, and I was going to show them around Chicago um, just a few weeks before he died, and he couldn't, they, at the last minute, he couldn't make it. And um, that's wow. something that I, uh, I, I, I always wish had happened. What's, um, what's, what's his name? Alan. Alan. Yeah, and he it was he was he was really funny. It was really funny because um I was such a I mean, I don't know. I I'm, I look back at it and maybe it's I glorify how strange and outrageous I was. But um <laughs> yeah. but nobody I really didn't have a lot of friends and um out of the theater department and um um and especially like with the athletes and stuff like, you know. Right. And I never went on dates. I didn't go to parties. Like I was just just sort of on my own. And my brother was the opposite. Like he was a basketball star and a baseball star and he was really handsome and he was a great, he was great at school and he was so different. And um, my freshman year at NYU, he started, he was then a freshman at, um, in high school and he started writing me letters and he was like, and they were reading Catcher in the Rye and he was like, I, you're so right. Everybody is so fond. Like he was like, I didn't get this until I got, until I read this book and now I totally get you and all these people are so phony and he was really, really into the book. It was so sweet and he came to visit me at NYU (laughs) and we, when I was there and we went around trying to find all the spots in town that Holden went to, ah. we went to the carousel and, you know, we just went to Central Park and we went to neighborhoods that we thought he would have been in. And, um, and so that was a real connection for us. And we got closer and closer mm-hmm. at, with this long distance. Um, and so then when I moved home, he was super excited, but he was really, really busy. And so, um, we, uh, we ended up not, not, not seeing each other hmm. very much. Wow. I'm sure that must have been tough. Yeah. Man. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it was, it was Alan, you, and then you're, mm-hmm. are you the, are my you, mom and dad. Are you the and oldest? I'm the oldest, yeah. You're the mm-hmm. oldest, okay. Yeah. The oldest. Okay. 
And then uh, your sister, is she, was she the middle or is she younger? Than it, she's you know? the youngest. The youngest. She's and I didn't really, you know, she was, she's, she was like seven. I don't know. I can never remember how old, how old she is. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like five years. No. Yeah. I think she's maybe like five or six years younger than I am. Gotcha. Um, they were closer in age. And um, um, yeah. And so. I didn't really know her. I didn't really hang out with her because she was so little, mm-hmm. you know, when I when I left. And now we're super close, okay. of course. But, yeah, um, but yeah she, and mm. she, I feel bad because she was kind of left alone. Uh, you yeah. know, she was left alone in the house. And, um, uh, yeah, oh, she was a freshman and my brother was, was she was starting freshman year and my brother was starting his junior year. Junior. So, gotcha. um, okay. So yeah, that was really uh, that was rough because she was mm. kind of left alone with the family, and yeah. I just stayed in the city hmm. and did my thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, outside of working and uh, school, did you have any hobbies at that time? Hmm. Anything no. you were like super into? No, I mean we used to go like. We would we would go dance like fr- we would go dancing a lot like mm-hmm. we'd go to the smart bar or we'd go to um oh my god I can't believe I can't think of the club that was on Clark that we always used to go. oh Neo 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 I think it was called yeah yeah we used to go dancing um yeah we were so we were so into it and mm-hmm. we lived so we lived right at Halstead in Newport right and across the street was the Chicago Diner which I'm I think is still there yeah and then. Around the corner was this cafe called Cafe Pergolesi, which is where I worked. And it was so, it was, it was as if I'd stumbled into New York, like the East Village. Like Uh. it was this filthy, (laughs) filthy, disgusting cafe that was owned by this, this, this old man who also had a tiny daughter and like a whole weird family. And it was the hardest job. Like you would Maybe I think that's why I liked it so much is it felt like New York. You'd work it by yourself mm-hmm. and you'd have to go in the back and like toast bagels for people and then make espresso drinks. But you were the only person working. There was just right. one person working the whole shift. And then next door was this um, was this clothing store called the 99th Floor. And it was all like super... What well, it's, it, it's not goth because goth didn't exist then, but it was like pre-goth like it was everything was black it wasn't quite punk either like but like it was all the clothing was like made of leather and it was like bustiers and it was like kind of snme and i don't know but um and the guy who owned it is the brother of um oh my god no i can't think of his name i'm so old um (laughs) the guy who (laughs) who's um the actor in um in um, Sounds of the Lambs, um, Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins. No, 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 no. The uh, uh, the uh, Buffalo Bill. Um, oh, uh, oh. Uh, what's his name? I have to Google it now. Yeah. God damn it! He's such a good actor. Are you googling it? Yep. Okay, let's see who can do it fastest. Um, come on. Boom, boom, boom. His name is Ted Levine. Yes, yes. Ted Levine. So his brother owned it. So he always would have like cool stories about his brother and like mm-hmm. movies and stuff. And, um, and 
Yeah. And and so we would go like save up our money and buy, you know, whatever Madonna kind of clothes and then um, and then go to the smart bar and just go dancing. But even then, I don't I don't think I was even 21 yet because I I couldn't get into clubs Right. In Chicago. And I was, I was, you know, another reason to hate Chicago. <laughs> in New York, you can drink when you're 12. Yeah. I was so offended. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we would just kind of hang out on Clark Street oh, and right. go um, and do that. And then there used to be, there used to be like a, a drama bookstore. There used to be like right at, I think it was south of Diversity or maybe it was Belmont. And Halstead, like that intersection. Okay. There was, there was like a, there was a a bookstore cafe that just had theater books. Wow. And plays. And so you'd go there and you'd like hang out and pick out a play and then get a coffee and like hang out and read and mm. work on scenes or whatever with people. Yeah. It was, it was, it was really uh, charming. Aww. It was a, it was a fun little, it was a, it was a good uh, early 20s lifestyle. I love it. So... All the fun that you had in Chicago mm-hmm. at that time. <laughs> yes. Let's let's um, imagine for a moment if you mm-hmm. stay in New York, right. right on the same trajectory that you were, and mm-hmm. being affected by that moment where you're like, "Oh, I hate this. I want to mm-hmm. leave." What mm-hmm. what do you imagine your trajectory was? What were you working toward in that theater program? Did you want to be a serious theater actor? Were you hoping to yeah. be a Broadway? You know regular no no I wanted to be like I wanted to have a theater company okay you know I wanted to have a theater company be in a theater company and and work and live in Soho with all my you know theater company Mm. friends we'd have a big loft and it would also be a performance space downstairs and you know we'd have well part of it was a I had um a teacher a poetry teacher my freshman year and we would go to her house for class and she had Ooh. a loft in Soho and I just remember like it was it just seemed like the ceilings were you know a hundred feet tall and yeah. it was just books and there were ladders to get to the books and oh. it was just it was so magical and that sounds um, incredible yeah it was really really great and then I and I had like a I had a part-time job I worked at the film forum uh, and I I would make popcorn and coffee and stuff and um and sometimes like cool actors like one time Amanda Plummer came like different actors Ooh. would come in and it felt so exciting yeah. it just felt like you know you were um you were just in the at the center of the of the world mm. and um in a in a in a way where you're observing everybody else mm-hmm. and then it felt the opposite in Chicago like in, in Chicago it felt like we were the center of the world like we were the cool, yeah. you know, our theater, our young theater company and our, you know, the stuff we were doing and the work we were doing in class and school or whatever was the center of the world. Wow. Um, and we were such underdogs, you know, because like DePaul had a really fancy theater program, but Columbia didn't. Yeah. And at NYU, it just felt like um, it was just a huge school and and um, and there were so many people. It was so competitive and um, and so yeah, I just hmm. it was hard to feel like it, you could own it, you know, right. yeah. as as a underclassman or as a you know yeah somebody just starting out. So how how long after your last class at Columbia did you start getting um, regular uh, performance work? 
Well, I started because we were friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I had friends that were working, um, and my friend David was directing stuff. So, like, the summer... The summer after I graduated, we did a show. You know, we put up a play right away. Okay. And then I just started auditioning, and I started working at different theaters. And then my one of my my the chair of the department, one of my teacher Sheldon, cast me in um, in a show. He cast me in a couple shows, and then he, and then one of them I had to join Equity for. So I joined Equity like I guess it was like my second year out of school. Um, And actually that would have been another decision too because that was a big decision because, and that really set me apart because all of my friends were doing their own non-union theater and they were putting up their own plays and I decided to join Equity and do this other play Mm -hmm. and so then I could no longer work with my friends. Yeah, So I was on my own, which was harsh. When I joined SAG... Um, I had like that summer, so I joined SAG in in the fall, but the summer before I had done like the most non-union work that I ever had. Um, Mm -hmm. but there was a job that I like, I was like, okay, for this job, it's, it's worth it to join. But like all of, all of my friends that were still making projects, all of the web series that, you know, I had, uh, auditioned Mm -hmm. for and they were like, okay, we're going to keep an eye out for you. They started to contact me and I'm like, are you kidding? Now, now? now yeah <laughs> right right so yeah just that man it's it's yeah it's it's worth it's worth it you know but at the same time it's like there's just the boundaries that you have to play inside of it, it tends mm-hmm. to you know it feels super limiting even though yeah. you know you still have a whole bunch of opportunities you just have to mm-hmm. you know, work harder to earn them right versus right. you know just like hey person down the street you need somebody i'm somebody exactly okay, exactly you know sort of thing yeah so, yeah wow. um were you seeing anyone at the time in new york no i didn't have no i was i was i was dating not dating i was sleeping with the chef at the restaurant and okay. then i don't know that didn't was, the one that said, was, "Why don't you just leave?" He might have been the guy who said, "Why don't you just leave?" <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he was. Um, I remember he 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 was so handsome to me because he he looked like Elvis Costello and he uh-huh. he wore these big glasses and he had dark hair and he was kind of, but he was also like kind of quiet. And I learned that he'd had a a bike accident and hurt his head it's not funny but um but yeah um no I never had like a a solid boyfriend I had all these big crushes big theater crushes and stuff um and then yeah no I didn't I I didn't have any boyfriends officially okay so you were not tied to anyone no Um, what you've mentioned Elvis Costello Mm -hmm. what kind of music were you into was it Mostly Elvis Costello for you. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I loved Elvis Costello. At, I was thinking about this at the time. It was right around the time that Graceland came out, mm-hmm. and that was like my. That was sort of the soundtrack of that of that spring and summer. Mm-hmm. Um, was that was that album? Gotcha. Which I still love, but it's so funny because um, a couple a few months ago. Um, my kids are, we were all home and we were going to play 
some board game or bananagrams or something. And we were going to, everyone in the family, we were going to take turns picking out albums. And so um, I picked out Graceland and put it on. And oh my God, it's so like those, all oh, those, those 80s drums, you know, that mm-hmm. like, it's not as bad as listening to like, I don't know, something else. Right. Like, I don't know what it would be, but, but it just felt all of us, I was so excited to play it for my kids. And then I was like, oh, I think I thought it was better than this, but, um, <laughs> but it, it's still, I still love it. I still think it's great. Yeah. But, um, I remember, um, the, the, at the end of my sophomore year, a bunch of the people that we did that, that experimental show with, mm-hmm. we made up our own show and we, he was from North Carolina, and so we we rented a van and we drove down to North Carolina to perform it. Oh wow! Um, okay. At the beginning of the summer, and um, when it was my turn to drive, I put that record on, and um, and the and, and the director was sitting with me in the front seat, and he was like, "Wow, you really like words." Um, cause there's, there's so many, it's like the lyrics, you know, it's just like, they're yeah. so intense and his, he's such a great writer. And, um, but it was just so funny because I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of words. There's a lot, he's got a lot to say. Um, mm. he's, uh, yeah, he's one of the greatest, but, wow. um, yeah, so that was, that was it. I mean, I was listening to The Cure, I was listening to, okay. um, R.E.M. and Elvis Costello and, replacements and mm-hmm. just like everybody from that time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then still listening to Barbara Streisand whenever possible. Oh, of course. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, did you have an image in your head of older, more established, successful or whatever, uh, Donna, when you were in school at NYU, did you have an image mm-hmm. or were you just focused yeah, yeah. on, I really just want to, you know, get through this and then start, you know, live in this loft, join this company or create a company and, yeah. you know, perform things. Or did you have, did you have an image of who you thought you might be when you were older? Well, I must've, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I had these grand ideas. I mean, I certainly thought I was going to be, well, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. um, oh my God, I went to a, I think it was a, it must've been the 10 year reunion or maybe, maybe more, maybe it was like a 20 year reunion, okay. but, um, I was made fun of at the reunion. <laughs> Things never change. Um, I was, they brought out like the, somebody when they were talking, like read aloud the thing I wrote. Mm. in the yearbook or whatever. And it was about how I'd be sitting on the couch, you know, on Johnny Carson's on the tonight show. And I'd be telling Johnny Carson, whatever, Um, you know, like I really thought that I was going to, I mean, when I was in high school, I just thought I was going to be a star. But then once I got to NYU and got real, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to be, we're going to have, I'm going to have a theater company. I'm going to live here Mm. in the city. I'm never leaving. Um, I'm, this is, you know, this is the life for me. I'm going to make these friends. We're going to, well, and we kind of started doing that with that with that other play. You're right. Um, but then I don't know. It was like I guess I never really. I didn't. Like I left, and I didn't even tell any. I didn't tell anybody goodbye. Oh wow! I think there was one friend I said goodbye to, and everybody else I just kind of left. Wow. Okay. But it, yeah, yeah. All right. Interesting. It was just time yeah. to go. 
It was just, you know, when I left, when I left Colorado, I told exactly one person <laughs> and I was just like, yep, I'm leaving. And she was like very upset with me. It's like, why aren't you telling mm-hmm. other people? It's like, because I don't, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I don't care to have them ask me why, why not? What's going on? Where are yeah, you going? I don't, yeah. I just, I just don't want to, I'm, I'm disinterested in having that conversation over and over. So I'm just going to leave. Uh-huh. And no one is going to call me to find out why I left. I promise you. And nobody did. They were just like, oh, I guess he's gone. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I got one postcard in the mail from um, from one of my roommates, ex-roommates, mm-hmm. asking what was going on. And then there were a couple people that I ended up staying in touch with through the years. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I just said goodbye to one person. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, question. Do you Do you sing? Um, I used to until I realized that I wasn't as good at it as I thought I was. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, but <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, like, I used to do musicals <laughs> and stuff. But now, like, I'm married to this to a great singer, mm-hmm. and he is constantly surrounded by great singers. And right. so I was like, what? Come yeah. on. I, That's, that must be tough. Point? That must yeah. be tough. I, yeah. I rem- so I've been... Uh, I, I spent a, a season of my life as a, a performing musician and man, I remember every time I was like in a room with, or I shared a stage with someone that was like really, really talented. I kept, uh-huh. I would have to question, why are you wasting everyone's time? You know? I mean, there's, there's, there's that part of you that's like, come on. But I mean, there's also the part where it's like, look, the, the pendulum is going to swing. Okay. Right. And it's going to go from greatness to greatness. And somebody's got to be at the bottom. Right. So maybe that's me. I don't <laughs> yeah. think I'm like at the bottom of the swing, but I'm like I in those moments when it rose up in me where it's like, just stop, break your guitar and leave. Oh, my um, God. That's awful. Yeah. No. And so I'd like I had to remind myself like, look, you know, look, it, there there is a best. Right. And that informs everywhere else and and you know there's the 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 high point of the curve but you know it's do the do the performance create the art uh love what you're doing and then you can still reach people even if you're not the best so yeah absolutely and i mean our world is full of people who aren't the best who think they are or tell everybody they are and that seems to be that's one option Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah. Awesome. Okay. Man, you have given me a lot of stuff to play with. Thank you. Um, okay. I think, I think I have an idea of where I'm going to take your story. Okay. I think I have an idea. I can't, I'm intri- I can't wait. I'm super pumped about it. I'm super pumped. Yeah. Woohoo. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that, that being said, um, I think we have everything that we need to create a story for other Donna at this point okay. in the show, we're going to take a quick break. We'll listen to a little bit of music. And when we come back, we will hear other Donna. And then real life Donna and I will discuss. Hang on. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Yeah.
Welcome back. That that track you just heard was Mad at a Girl by Robbie Folks from the album Couples in Trouble. Thank you to our lovely guest, Donna, um, for providing us with that track. But holy smokes, yeah, how much fun song. was that? That was so much yeah, fun. That's such a good song. I love yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. Um, to reiterate, my guest, Donna Folks, she is a voiceover artist, wicked, wicked talented. Please feel free to check out her website, DonnaJFolks.com. Again, that is Donna J, the word J, J-A-Y, Folks.com. It has some of her demos. If you are listening and you hire people for this stuff, um, there you go. You can submit it. And if she finds it worthy, she'll give you a holler or she'll just ignore it completely because she's so busy because she's amazing yeah yeah i'm yeah. always ignoring people <laughs> i love it <laughs> all right um but right now we're gonna get into other donna and then we'll chat about it you ready i'm yeah i'm i have butterflies in my stomach awesome i i hope you i hope you like it <sighs> okay i'm so nervous okay here it goes all right she holds the cigarette in her fingers nimbly and with much practice other Donna leans back on her left heel and crosses her right leg over, kicking her right hip out. Her arms are crossed, and she peers angrily into the cook's eyes. He just suggests that she leave. What if I leave? That's, that's a little stupid, don't you think? I'm two years in here. Why would I leave? Besides, can't I just rant a little? Leave? Come on. Unfazed, the line cook, standing in the alleyway, trying to cool off in the 90-degree heat, a refreshing oasis from the 120-degree kitchen. His hands are calloused and gnarled from untreated splatter burns and his fingernails are chewed down a little too far, but they are somehow stained with the grease and dirt. You know what, though? Maybe it is time for me to leave. Not New York, just this shitty place. It's all the same to me, baby. You're here or you're not. I don't really care where you are if you're not here. I just wanted to enjoy my smoke break without the bitching. Hey, why don't you go fall, fall down a flight of stairs or maybe roll over onto the tracks and save us all from a life with you in it? Other Donna, uh, other Donna pulls up her apron and flings it into the hapless cook's face. She storms in, calculates her tips, and marches home. Her apartment is just down the street from East 10th and Broadway, and she passes Grace Church every night on the way home. As she turns the corner onto 10th, she runs her fingers along the wrought iron fence, plucking away at each prong as though they were the strings of a harp. She's home early enough to hear the singing coming from the historic Episcopal Church. Night turns to day, and then back again. Other Donna stands stoically outside the Silver Center for Arts and Science with her syllabus in hand. She takes in a few breaths, debating on whether to have one more cigarette before she heads through the heavy copper doors. Resolute, she folds the syllabus and tucks it snugly into her high-waisted acid wash, wash jeans. Dropping to a knee, she ties her shoes right first, then left, and scampers inside and down the dark wooden floors to the classroom before stopping again and staring at the door. What are you doing here, Other Donna? She asks herself plainly and aloud. Who? Eyes wide and dread rising within her, Other Donna shrugs. Huh? You just asked what Other Donna is doing here. Who are you talking to? Myself. I don't know why. I just needed a pep talk. I'm still asleep, I guess. Ha! I hope it's a good dream at least. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I should just bag my face. The tiny young black woman stood before her with pigtails on both sides and round frame glasses. She too wore high-waisted jeans, hers with pleats at the waistline and her cuffs rolled a few inches above her shoes. Her top was torn at the bottom, exposing a glimpse of her midriff. Her face was calm and her smile was disarming. Nah, you're fine. You're right where you're supposed to be. Well, you're outside where you're supposed to be. The two laughed for a brief moment before heading in. 
After class, Other Downer reaches out to her new acquaintance and asks, Hey, do you, you want to work on our jingles together? Erica beams. Sure. I've never sung, so I'm a little nervous about this. Well, I was in choir for years, so I'm sure I can help you with that. That's great. I'm a poet. Well, not yet, but I plan to be. Do you write? Erica inquires. Other Donna smiles. Only when I have to. Hours turn into days. Other Donna sits amongst a collection of novels, pages of sheet music, music, and a few of her choicest outfits. Thinking of her new friend, she sifts through the pages and pages of inspiration and unearths a telephone. She dials her friend and three wings later, hello, hey Erica, I'm going to Palladium later. You want to come? Duh. I need to finish this piece first though. Do you want to come over and hum a few of these bars before we go? Ha! Duh. I'll be over at what? Nine? Great. Other Donna begins to organize her books, papers, and clothes. She settles on a sleeveless orange jumpsuit and a pair of comfy shoes. She pulls out from under her tiny military-style bottom bunk, only bed, and a small uh, black suitcase in which she keeps her makeup and hair products. Her dirty blonde locks rest on pitch black roots. She curls the top into a free-flowing pompadour and lets the hair loosely hang down the back of her head and onto her shoulders. Choice. Catching the door as someone was leaving, Other Donna heads up the winding staircase past three floors of railroad apartments and lands in front of Erica's door. It is slightly ajar, so she lets herself in. They've become close enough that they comfortably enter each other's apartments without knocking if the door happens to be open. She sees Erica sitting at her desk with headphones on, staring intently at the blank page of paper before her. Erica? Erica, understandably startled, jumps to her feet, screaming all the while. She instinctively tries to run away into her bedroom, but is yanked back and onto her back by the secure headphones. The wind is knocked out of her, and she rolls onto her stomach, struggling to breathe. Other Donna lets out a hearty laugh and joins her on the floor. The two struggle to breathe for a moment, if for slightly different reasons. Are you about ready? Other Donna presses. No, I'm sorry. Well, uh, maybe. Will you just sing this jingle back to me? What? I've been working on this jingle for weeks. I don't, I don't know why it's taking me so long, but if you could just sing it back, I would, I would know how well it works or it doesn't. Hesitant, Other Donna slinks back a step. Are you sure you want me singing your jingle? Girl, stop playing. Just sing it. Other Donna resigns reluctantly and sings out the two-sentence poem. Your way, my way, Broadway. You know, one show is never enough, so let's go all the way with season passes. Stunned, <laughs> Erica blurts, oh my God, it's perfect. You're perfect. I'm ready. Let's get out of here. The two make their way to Palladium Dance Hall, fully expecting to wait on the street to be let in. But hoping a smile or two or maybe a flick of an eyebrow can sway Howie and maybe he'll let them in early. Days turn to weeks. The last day of Other Downer's third year at NYU comes to a close. In her right hand is an address for a small recording studio in Midtown, and in her left is her headshot and resume to be handed in to the theater department head. She quickly heads to the theater building and leaves her headshot on top of a stack of hopefuls eager to be considered for the fall lineup. Without pause, she darts back out and down the street, furiously waving for a cab as she runs down. A boat of a yellow cab approaches and honks, startling Other Donna. She jumps in the back and hands the address to the driver as she struggles to catch her breath. She throws him a $20 bill and just shouts, Punch it, buddy! You got it! The cabbie wryly responds and meanders down the road at a reasonable speed. He pulls up to the address ten minutes later and the back door opens to a livid, screaming Other Donna. She grabs the door, intent on slamming it, but instead leaves it open and runs off into the building. 
may I help you? A tall, slender security guard uh, ask, uh, mans a desk a few feet from the door. He patiently waits for Other Donna to regain her composure and repeats, may I help you? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm looking for a recording studio. Ah, third floor. I'll push the button for you, but please sign in here. Other Donna scribbles her name hastily and hops into the elevator. An eternity later, the tiny metal box dings and the doors slowly open. The office into which it opens is completely silent. There's a bowl of candies, mostly peppermint, sitting on a coffee table next to several magazines. National Geographic, Time, and People are the majority, with a few sound design monthlies that round it out. There's a note on the desk where a secretary might sit, and it simply says, If there's no one here, you are probably late. Have a seat. Well, shit. Just then, someone rounds a corner and stops at the desk. Other Donna? Yes, I'm so sorry I'm late. Am I late? I thought I was going to be on time, but, but the sign? Oh, don't worry about that sign, hon. Jerry's an asshole. Come on back. We've been waiting for you. Oh, great. Thank you. Congratulations, by the way. Signing that contract must have been exciting. We record all the jingles done for Kraft and Sears, so we'll be seeing a lot of you, I imagine. Uh, well, let's hope. Thank you. Erica's in back. Come on now. The two head back toward the recording booth, single file down the narrow hall beneath the flickering fluorescent lights. The end. Excellent. What did you think? Excellent. Um, first of all, you're, you're a great writer. Um, oh. I love your stories. Thank you. Um, uh, it's so interesting because I started, um, I, I just, I wrote down while we were talking, while you were talking, reading, I wrote down uh, The Power of Friendship mm -hmm. because I was really thinking about how, you know, one of the things that I remembered during our conversation mm -hmm. um, was that I had no one to say goodbye to, you right. know, and, and so that was that really. I mean, I think that was just such an interesting, um, an interesting way. Because yeah, because I was nervous about like, what's he going to say about me? What's he going to write about me? <laughs> and um, but the idea that you can, you know, that you don't uh, that. Uh, if if you if you have a connection, mm -hmm. if the if you have a connection to to friends or family or whatever it is that that can bring you so much strength, mm -hmm. and that you can, um, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are or you know, because because throughout my career I've always had people say like, oh well, if you'd been in New York, you could have done this, or if you'd been in L.A., you would have right. had this kind of career. But mm -hmm. it's like, well, yeah, but I was where. I was with my my husband and my kids and my friends and my family and um and I always felt like that's what gave me the strength mm -hmm. to pursue what I wanted to do and be successful. Yeah. And um and uh and I, I do when I do look back at um because I've I've definitely said to myself in the past what would have mm -hmm. happened if I'd stayed there. Right. And um and I always think oh I would have ended up like doing, you know, one person monologues about how lonely I was. Like, that's the <laughs> only thing that comes to mind. Like, I would have been a performance artist complaining right. about how lonely I was. Yeah. But yeah, the idea is like that if that if I'd had a close friendship there, that if I'd made that kind of connection mm -hmm. with someone, I probably would have stayed. Mm -hmm. Because that's also what happened when I went to Columbia and I went to the theater department. I was like, ugh, whatever, we'll see what happens. I mean, I had a best friend there already. Yeah. But then when I 
made these friendships with these people. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the connection was was so strong and so meaningful that I was able to blossom or become myself or, you know, do the work I wanted to do and be happy. Yeah. And I couldn't do that in New York because I never, I didn't, I wasn't lucky enough to make, to meet an Erica. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that was, that's very, very interesting. Um, yeah, that's a lovely thought. Yeah. I, I remember that you said that you didn't have anyone to say goodbye to. So I figured, oh, you know what? Let's change yeah. it all up. Now she's got a bestie. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, so that's d- great. Could you, could you see, was I, was I able to at least capture some of you? Well, I mean, I'm no, there's no st- acid wash jeans. No, absolutely not. None, none I mean, zero. that was okay. offensive. I'm furious. <laughs> um, but um, all of my clothes were, you know, from the Salvation Army. They were old. They were from mm. the 50s. Like, no, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I loved, I mean, it's so funny because I would 100% walk by wrought iron fences and r- run my finger along it like I was some sort of, uh, you know, um, Madonna, Tom Sawyer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, very sweet. Um, yeah. But then I was thinking too, I was like, oh, if I'd been smoking, I wouldn't have this voiceover career. <laughs> <laughs> there was never, I only smoked a couple times. Like we, I, we went out one night with friends mm-hmm. into Washington Square Park, like in the middle of the night and just mm-hmm. smoked clove cigarettes, horrible clove cigarettes. And then when I was in, um, when I was at Columbia, I did a couple plays where I had to smoke, but um, mm. I didn't ever smoke. Gotcha. Um, but I, that aside, I, remember, I mean, yeah. yeah. It, oh, go ahead. No, I just, I was like looking through your, um, some of your Facebook pictures, trying to get an idea hmm. if you had any like throwbacks. So I'm like, yeah. oh, what was she like then? You know, and I saw one picture of you with that hair that I described where it was kind of done up on top and free flowing in the yeah. back and you had a cigarette. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, maybe this is a show. Maybe oh God, she's going hilarious. to party. I don't know. So that's what oh, was- oh yeah. No, that was, um, I, that was from, um, from, uh, the seagull. We did gotcha. a production of the seagull okay. right after school ended. Um, and yeah, that's from the seagull. Yeah. Gotcha. For some reason, I was cast as a, you know, 50-year-old woman at, when I was 21. <laughs> totally ridiculously. Um, yeah, my friend David, oh, yeah. he was he was auditioning for some show, mm-hmm. um, Lighty Breeze. And, I, and I, I called him. I was like, you didn't call me into audition. He was like, yeah, you're, you're too old for the part. I'm like, but isn't she like 23? And he goes, yeah, exactly. You're... <laughs> You're 40 and you're all, you'll always be 40. Like, <laughs> that's so funny. Aww. Aww. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's from funny. that. Um, that's from that. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. I went through the most ridiculous, like asymmetrical haircuts, mm-hmm. permed mullets. Ooh. Yeah. Just completely out of control and oh. always like, um, you know, baggy clothes, like yeah. hiding for some reason. Um <laughs> but yeah no i i love the idea that um um that yeah like i could end up trying singing jingles or doing you know like Mm -hmm. being in this industry like it seemed like i was just sort of 
I just sort of, I just was destined to end up here based on the things I did when I was a kid, like yeah. writing radio plays and recording the characters and mm-hmm. making, torturing my family and making them listen to it or, um, That's great. yeah, just kind of like the thing I've always done. Yeah. I figured, I mean, w- with a voice like yours, you had to, you had to end up recording something somehow <laughs> i was like there's i like i could not escape it no matter what you did is it was it was gonna end up that way so i figured well let's mm. get it let's get her into it early you know uh, and i wish i'd i wish i'd had a, a really good um moment of quitting like throwing my apron at somebody yeah um <laughs> the last I don't know the the my in my mind i burned my apron out in the alley and my very last waiting tables job but mm-hmm. i don't know that might just be a story i tell myself right <laughs> i like to think that's what i did oh man as as i get older i feel like a lot of my memories of the things that i did like either in defiance or triumph i, I wonder mm-hmm. like, man how much of this is fabricated right you know how much how much daydreaming am i telling myself was real Right, right. Or we've got this thing at Columbia where people from our our class, like we tell a story and we're like, well, so KK was at an audition and someone will go, no, 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 that didn't happen to KK. She told that story. Like, no, no, no. And so that, you know, we have these stories (laughs) that we don't even know who actually did them. And they just get handed down like this folklore from from college days. I'm sure that happens um, all over, especially in theater departments. Of course. Of course. That's yeah. so great, though. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. This, I swear, this happened. No, she was making that. No, I did that. No, no, you didn't. You were just watching. Oh, yeah. man. I did have, <laughs> I had a couple of those um, happen when I was in college where, like, I, and, and I started journaling in college because of what happened the first time. So the first time, I distinctly remember presenting this idea to somebody who then introduced it to everybody saying that they had thought of it. And I was like, no, fuck you, dude. What? No, that that was me. I did that. And so I started journaling and I would like mark down, hey, I had this thought on this day. We're going to tell someone in five days just in case. So I have like a backup, whatever, you know, just because. And I mean, but that has still... Then, you know, persisted later. And now I'm coming back like, ooh, did I, though? I don't even remember anymore. (laughs) What's real? I know. It's so funny. You think, like, you're living, like, you think, oh, this is so vivid or this Mm -hmm. problem is so huge and you're never going to forget about it. And then now, you know, I'm sitting around with my kids and they're telling me stories of stuff. I'm like, I never did that. That Mm -hmm. didn't happen. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just life just sort of piles up and... Um. Yeah. Somehow the mistakes seem to float to the surface. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure why. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Ugh. Yeah. It's and I love. So I love memes. Right. I love them. I think they're hilarious okay. little little snippets Pro of. Memes. Okay. Right. Um. But I want to say like my favorite ones are the ones that, uh, where people kind of, they lay out their anxiety. Where it's like, I'm not doing anything, but it's like 3 a.m. And all of a sudden my brain's like, hey, you remember that thing you said 10 years ago? Let's think about that for a while, you know, because I feel like I relate so closely (laughs) to that where just I'm like, hey, I'm having a good day. And my brain's like, are you? Are you, though? Here, let's think of some some terrible (laughs) mistakes that you've made that you regret, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, great. Thank you. Now my day is ruined. (laughs) 
Let me just go eat a tub of ice cream and feel better for a minute. So, <laughs> so. yeah, I'm. I I told you in an email. I'm I'm doing this this sad task of um, yeah. my mom has dementia and she's in, mm. she's like in the last stages of it. And she moved to this nursing home. And mm. so I'm putting together a frame that I wanted to put pictures of everybody who was important and kind of have that in the room for mm. people to refer to. And so I'm digging through, first of all, I'm digging through photos that all stop Whenever I got my first iPhone, so there's no picture, no more pictures oh, that can be put in the in the album. Shoot. But the other stuff, the stuff I have is like pictures of my parents getting married and mm. and you know when I was a baby and growing yeah. up and with oh. my siblings and it's super fun. Um, but it's just so um, it's such a an odd task to mm. sit down. Mm. It's not like just picking up a photo album, flipping through. It's like I'm wading through these, you know, a big uh, whatever, a big plastic container that was mm. been in the garage filled with photos. First of all, choosing which ones are worth keeping. Right. Um, but then also just kind of w- watching my life, <laughs> watching my life <laughs> unfold. Yeah. Um, all afternoon on, on Sunday or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's so interesting just how how quickly time passes, but when you're deep in it, especially with kids, it feels like it's an eternity Yeah. Um, when they're having a tantrum or whatever they're doing that mm-hmm. you just think, oh, my God, I'm never going to get through this. And then, yeah. you know, suddenly you're through it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so you've really got me on this path. I've gone down this rabbit hole of me <laughs> thinking about stuff because of this podcast. <laughs> Aww, uh, but it's a good, yeah, it's a good, it's yeah. a good thing to do. Yeah. Take stock, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, I think I lucked out, um, when I was in high school. So I grew up in, uh, it was, it was weird at home. Right. So like my parents Mm -hmm. didn't have a whole lot of patience. My dad was mostly out of the house doing like work stuff. And so my mom Mm -hmm. is there with these five young children. So, I mean, anytime we got annoying, it was like, all right, go to your room. Just, just, Go and stay in your room, no maybe way. until tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. sort of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I think when I was a kid, I was able to connect with the idea that like, look, no matter how much this sucks or how much you want to go play, just blink, and it'll be morning, right? <sighs> and so anytime I'm in some like thing where I'm just like, oh, I hate this, or if if so, I have a tendency to like save up over long periods of time for like things that I. I shouldn't necessarily save up that long for, uh, but that's just <laughs> how I have always done things. So even then I'm just like, yeah. you know what? Just blink. It'll be six months and you'll be able to get this thing or you'll be able to do this. Wow. or This season will be over. Just blink, man. Just, just blink. That's you know? so mature of you as a kid like that. Cause that's the thing that's so hard to, to get through to your kids like mm-hmm. oh this is a really hard time you're going through right now but in like a year you're going to forget about it and it won't yeah. or things will be even worse you'll be in mm-hmm. high school yeah <laughs> but yeah it's so that's such a hard thing I yeah. think for kids to to grasp I'm mm-hmm. very impressed yeah I mean it's, I lucked out I just I spent a lot of time in on in punishment I guess in <laughs> you detention. had so much time to think yeah you know so I would just get so angry but it's like hey bro just chill man just 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 blink, yeah. it'll be over, you know? Uh, and that has, that has helped me. But I think the, the, the one downside to that is I tend to dwell on when I'm enjoying myself and I'm like, mm-hmm. shoot, don't blink 
because if you do, mm-hmm. you know, and then I kind of lose myself. So, I mean, it's like this, this like give and take that I haven't fully mastered uh, yet, even though like I've been, I've been practicing for so many years, but I feel like uh, yeah. eventually, hopefully one day I'll get a grip and be like, all right, I'm 70. All right. So the days that are bad, they'll be over and the days that are good, I'll be able to just breathe through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. It's like the our town dilemma of, mm-hmm. you know, you want to savor every moment, but if you did, it would, you'd go crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a hard, um, it's a hard thing to balance because mm-hmm. even experiencing the really bad stuff is as painful as it is. It's, you know, obviously it's always the thing that makes you the most you mm-hmm. is the hardest thing you went through. Yeah. So it's, yeah, but obviously while you're in it, it's, but it's so good too to like, I love it when I do, when I go do something with a family or, and then I've never, t- I didn't take one photo and you know, I'm like, oh, I wish I had a photo for that, but I'm so glad I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad I was just in it instead of watching it. Right. But it's hard yeah. to get there sometimes. Mm-hmm. I would say so. I would say so. Oh, cool beans. Was there was there anything else in the story that grabbed you? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, it was really nice to hear about the church and um, going to Palladium. And yeah, mm-hmm. it was really it was it was really uh, it was really sweet and yeah. um, cool. and really on target. I don't know. So when you're writing these stories, do you find yourself like, do you ever I mean, I've, I've only listened to a couple episodes, but like, mm-hmm. do you are you nervous about going down a dark path or do you just allow yourself or have you written stuff and then thought, oh, I can't. I can't read this to that person. I have to change this. You know, I, I think that, um, for, so for the first several, um, episodes, I would ask them, Hey, is there anything that's off limits? And everybody Mm. like was, no, no, do whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to. So I think Mm -hmm. at that point I was like, you know, I'm going to stop asking and I'm just going to take the Liberty to just write whatever happens. Um, but, but I know that, because it's it's so important to me to not let this be an exercise of, hey, I want to give you uh, like a super happy glimpse of what life could mm-hmm. have been for you, you know, in this super mm-hmm. successful way. So like no matter how good it gets, I always feel like there's a there's like a, a measure of tension or frustration or loss or whatever that's in there. And then on the mm-hmm. like on the, the stories that I write that don't necessarily have a happy ending, I try and make them. Like, I don't want them to necessarily end with so much despair, but I want there to definitely be moments of, you know, like, oh, this, this sucks, you know, and like whatever it is. And so I just, but I don't ever start out that way. I literally just, I try and imagine, all right, where are they and what do they want Mm -hmm. right now? Mm -hmm. And then from there, I kind of build it. And so, um, yeah, luckily everyone has been so far pretty, you know, copacetic with, what what I come up with but mm-hmm. yeah I mean I just but I like the idea of also writing things that aren't necessarily like oh this is the best possible you know scenario for you and I hope you like it yeah sort of thing, you know yeah yeah but well it was really fascinating I'm glad I I'm glad thanks for including me oh absolutely absolutely and wh- I think one of the fun things for me in doing this is part of the research aspect um mm-hmm. because uh I got to look up, I was like pouring over, man, what were the hot clubs 
in the mid to late <laughs> 80s. What were they? Yeah. You know? So going through, going through. And so like finding clubs that were definitely open by mm-hmm. 87. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then didn't close until after. I mean, there yeah, was yeah. one that I was like, oh, this this place actually looks pretty cool. But it closed like January of 87. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. use that. But it's cool. <laughs> but like the, the Palladium, I was like, oh, and it has a doorman that people recognize it's a legendary doorman howie i don't remember his last name but i was like oh damn oh damn all right we're using this one you know yeah Um, yeah and then i remembered um you said uh east 10th and broadway Mm -hmm. is like where you were at the time and so i looked up i just like google earthed it and i was like Mm kind of going up and down the street and i saw that church and i was like "Ooh, when was this church church?" yeah and i was like oh this has been here for like over 150 years cool this is great (laughs) i don't have to worry about you know brand new so it was yeah it was it was cool i i I enjoy that that part of it and so i mean there's a lot of rich fun stuff to play through and i was like yeah i mean and some stuff is on target some isn't (laughs) yeah acid wash some isn't (laughs) can't believe I got that so wrong. Oh, no, no, I'm I'm wrong. I I I'm, I might be just be fooling myself. Oh, I may have worn those. I don't know. I just I remember I remember that being like a super popular pair of jeans from that time. Yeah. You know, like my sisters were all in the acid wash. I have a picture of me as like a a nine year old with these yeah. like way too big for me, tucked up to my nipples. Yeah, um, jeans. Head to toe denim. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, good yeah. times, good times, <laughs> good times. Oh, man. Well, that being said, we will round out this episode of Other You featuring Donna mm-hmm. Folks. Thank you again so much for being here. I really, really appreciate That's it. It has, it has been an absolute That's blast. Great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, glad to, glad to. So uh, one more time as a reminder, check out her website, DonnaJFolks.com. Uh, there's a, you, you painted that, right? Those blue Jays. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like the, the banner image at the top, these three beautiful blue Jays that she painted. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to listen to all of the amazing work that she's done. So, uh, please check it out. Give her some love. Uh, Donna, thank you again. It has been beautiful having you. Thanks D. Mm-hmm. Um, well that wraps up this episode. Please. Come back next week for another episode of Other You. I'm Dee. This is Donna. Bye-bye. Bye.